now calling us to share with others. And I'm asking you today, are you willing? Am I willing? Somehow, we believe that reaching out to the lost is just for the chosen few, for pastors, ministers, and teachers. We just stand by watching, staying silent, listening in the pews, shrug it off as if it's not my responsibility. They say God created us so we could share this story of love, acceptance, of, of salvation. What's keeping us from sharing it? What, what's keeping me from sharing it? I think now is time to act, to say, I am willing. I am willing. <laughs> A simple three-word declaration that's easy to say, but hard to live out. See, see, willingness, it takes faith. Even when we don't feel brave, equipped, or ready, willingness is reaching out to our one, to reach out to our friend, to our neighbor, to my family member. We are equipped and made for this. Christ died for us to share this story. God has prepared us for a time like this. Are you willing? I love that video. I wanna welcome all of you from four campuses that are in person today. Did you know that we've already reached 3,000 plus that are back in person? And online, all of you that are joining us today, we have over 2,000 people that are watching us every single Sunday online, and we welcome all of you today. Thank you for being a part of this service. Two Sundays ago, my mother-in-law had a, a stroke it was such a surprise because she had no history of this. They had no anticipation uh, with her health that she would experience a stroke, but she did. And she lingered for a few days and then the Lord brought her home. Last Thursday was her memorial service. And I wanna say thank you to all of you. So many of you that wrote me, that texted us, that, that sent us emails and cards and flowers and prayers and we so, so grateful. You gave us strength because you walked with us through that moment and I, I wanted to say thank you to each and every one of you. All of us know people that dress in nice clothes and live in beautiful houses and it just seems like they've got it all together but little do we realize that they are deeply spiritually lost on the inside. What it looks like on the outside doesn't always tell the truth about what's going on inside. I read a story about a, a small town that had a beautiful tree. It was magnificent. You know, all of us have seen trees, but this tree was so unique. It was so beautiful. It was so majestic. It seemed like the whole town had been built around this tree. I mean, there it was sort of in a main place downtown and they put a fence around it and they, they had roads that went past it and everyone talked about, was so proud of that tree. If you went and visited somebody that lived in that little town, invariably during your visit, they'd pack you up in the car, they'd take you to downtown and they would show you their tree. But one day, a storm came through, and to their horror, the tree had literally snapped in half. 
They were shocked. They could hardly believe it. After storms for decades and decades, and suddenly this storm, it wasn't even that big, had totally knocked over that tree. But when they investigated the tree, they discovered it had been rotting from the inside. They didn't realize it, that it had probably for years been rotting little by little by little on the inside. And now all it took was just a wind and it knocked over, it snapped into that tree. The truth is there's a lot of people that we see that seem like they've got it all together. You know, they even act like they've got it all together. But the truth is we don't know what's actually happening inside. What we do know is everybody needs the Lord. Everybody needs to have their sins forgiven. Everybody needs to have an understanding of how to know God and how to live our best life. And the only one that can tell us how to live our best life is the one who made us in the first place. Everybody needs the Lord. One man put it this way. He said, if a man has a soul, and he does, and if that soul can be won or lost for eternity, and it can, then the greatest privilege in the world is to love and lead others to Jesus Christ. If you think about it, every one of us want to make a difference in our life. We, we want to get to the end of our life and feel like that our life actually mattered. All of us have accomplishments that have happened in our lives that we have been a part of it. But the greatest thing that we could ever do is lead another person to Jesus Christ. It is the only thing that will last through eternity. You lead someone to Christ and one day you get to heaven and there is that person and they hug you and say, I'm here because you love me. There's no greater joy that you could ever have than that. And that's what I want to talk to you about. We've got, as a church, a purpose statement. We say the purpose statement every, after the end of every service, and we know this statement. And I'm going to ask you to say our purpose statement with me again and listen to the words that we say. Our purpose is to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. The key ingredient is the word love. It is the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It is the love of God and it's the love of you. The love of God and the love of you to be willing to invite someone to Jesus Christ. We're in a series entitled, Who's Your One? And what we mean by that is, who is it in your life? Is it a next door neighbor, a family member, a friend, a, a coworker, a, a, someone in your class at school? Who is your one that God is speaking to your heart and saying to you, I want you to reach out to that person. I want you to invite them to church. I want you to invite them to me. And in the series, these three weeks, this is the last message. What the hope and the desire is, is that God would give birth to us a deep desire to love people to Jesus Christ. 
There's a verse, a passage of scripture that someone shared with me in between the completion of my senior year of high school and my first year of college. And I never forgot the passage because I thought it was such a powerful passage. It has meant a lot to me through the years. It's found in Psalm 126 and verses five and six. And notice what it says. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now the passage of scripture and the application of the passage for us is is how is it that we lead someone else to Christ? And he says, I want you to sort of take on the role of a farmer. Now, I'm not a farmer. I, I was born and raised in the city, and I actually love big cities. I just love big cities. And, and I've, I've made gardens, and I've had really successful gardens, and I've had some gardens that weren't so good. I'm not a farmer, though, and so I've got to use my imagination, and you're going to need to use your imagination, too. But the hope and desire that I have is that over the course of these last three weeks, where this is the last of the weeks of this series, that God has been giving birth in our hearts a desire to want our lost family members, our lost friends, to be rescued. Everybody needs the Lord. Everybody needs to be forgiven. Everyone needs to to have help in setting their lives straight and living their lives in a right direction. And we need others that will step into our life and be used by God. Just now, after those have done that for us, God is calling us to step into the lives of others and help them as well. There was a young guy who wanted to get a summer job. It it was in between uh, uh, grades and he wanted to get a summer job. So he went down to the theater at the mall in order to get a job at that movie theater as an usher. And he was interviewed by the manager and the manager asked a series of questions. But one of the questions he asked this young guy was, if the theater catches on fire, what will you do? And the young guy sort of chuckled and said, don't worry about me, I'll get out just fine. (laughs) Now I wanna ask you a question. We talk about the second coming of Christ and he tells us be ready all the time. And he tells us he could come at any time. And when you hear, hey, I gotta be ready in my life. I wonder if you're really saying to God, don't worry about me, I'm just fine. Well, the manager said to the young guy, you don't understand the question. I I want you to get out. I don't want you to die in the fire, but that wasn't actually the question. How, you're usher, how are you gonna get other people out? How are you going to help others? And I believe God is saying exactly the same thing to us today. Yes, Jesus is coming back. Yes, you've got to be ready all the time. But how are you helping other people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior too? You and I can't save anybody. You and I cannot change anybody's eternity. But God can. And God is asking us, would you be willing to love enough that you would let me use you. And that's the challenge of the series. So how is it that we love others to Christ? 
How do we do that? We'll take a look at this passage of scripture in Psalm 126, five and six. And it actually gives to us six key ideas. And very quickly, we're not gonna linger at all, any of them, but very quickly, six key things that the passage is helping us with. How do I love someone else to Christ? And the first answer is simply this, by being having a willingness to go. See what it says? Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed. The Bible says that we can't just sit, we gotta go. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that word preach does not mean stand on a platform like I'm doing right now. It just means tell. Go and tell someone else about what God has done in your life. Go and tell someone else what God wants to do in their life. After 2,000 years, still the very best way, the most effective way of helping someone else come to know Christ as Savior is a one-on-one -on -one relationship with that person. And out of your love for them, letting them know how they can know Jesus too. The Billy Graham Association uh, hired an agency to do a project. The project was to take a survey of 2,000 Americans who have no religious connections whatsoever, not involved with any religion, never have been, 2,000 Americans, and ask those 2,000 Americans a, a list of questions. And the answers they got back, I thought were intriguing. For instance, one of them is, what do you think about Christian people? And 42% of them said that they believe that Christian people are very good people. Now, I wish it would have been 82%, but the truth is there were many of those people who said they didn't even know a Christian. They, they couldn't even answer the question. But 42% of the people that answered said, when I have met other Christians, I've felt like they were very good people. And this is the one that shocked me. 33%, one out of every three said, they admired a people that were Christians. They knew a Christian that they admired. I wonder if, if that's you, maybe at your job and you're just living for Christ and, and they know you're a, a Christian and, and you're not, you're not uh, in their face, you're not being mean. They look at you as someone, wow, I would love to be like that person. To admire, that's what it means to admire. Or a next door neighbor and you're living the life and when other people just see your life, they've never told you this, but actually secretly, They've admired you because you're living the life. This is what really took me by surprise. 67%, two out of every three people said that if a Christian asked them to go to their church, they said they would go. Two out of every three people. Of the 2,000 people, no religious background at all. If a Christian asked me to go to the church, I would go. Sometimes we answer that question for others. You know what? If I ask them to go to the church, they won't go. They'll just say no. Then they'll feel awkward and we'll feel awkward. I don't think I'll ever ask them because I think I already know the answer. Well, maybe you don't know the answer. Two out of every three said they would go if they got asked. The first thing that has to happen is you got to go. 
there's a second principle, and that is we love people to Christ by caring for that person, for those people we know. And listen to how he puts it. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed. There, there is a heart that is involved with this. And here's my question to you. When was the last time you cried for someone who didn't know Jesus? Who, when was the last time in your prayers for that person you actually shed tears for someone who doesn't know Christ? I know probably you're thinking, no, wait a minute, Pastor. I, I care about people, and I believe that. I know that. I've been here a long time. I know the people of Sugar Creek, most incredible, godly, kind, loving people in the world, and there is no doubt in my mind that you care. But what he is saying in the verse is caring to a degree that is far deeper. The verse is talking about coming to a level of caring that moves us emotionally. Two weeks ago, at this service, at the 9.30 service, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law were watching the service because they do every week. They go to their church at the eight o'clock service, they come home, turn on their computer, and they watch this service at 9.30. And on that Sunday, they were watching the service and I was teaching about who's your one, the first message in this series and, and God's call in our life to love other people to Christ and to care for them. And I asked the question at the end, who's your one and are you willing? My father-in-law told me that Tony, my mother-in-law, got tears in her eyes And he asked her, what, why, why are you crying? And she said, I have a one. I have someone that I care about that doesn't know the Lord. And I, she said, I'm going to call her right now. She got on the phone and called. This person lives in another state and called that person. And she wasn't there, but she talked to the woman's husband. And, and uh, he said, Tony, why are you calling? And she said, I... I've just heard my son-in-law teach on uh, the Bible, uh, explaining to us that we need to care for other people that, that need the Lord. And, and, uh, I, and your wife, she named her, is my one. And I'm calling, I wanna to talk to her about Jesus. And, and he said, well, she's, she's not here, but, but uh, and Tony said, would you be willing to have her call me back? And he said, sure, I will. And 30 minutes later, Tony had the stroke and never got an opportunity to talk to her. The couple came not to the memorial service, but to the graveside service. The graveside service was quite a distance and so they lived closer to that and they came to the graveside service. And we had that service and after the graveside service was over, the gentleman walked up to me and he said to me, I got a phone call from Tony on that Sunday morning, wanting to talk to my wife. Do you know what she wanted to talk about? And I said, well, I don't know everything that was in Tony's mind, um, 
he said, well, she said she had just heard your message. What did you preach on? And I said, I talked about people that do not know Christ coming to know Jesus as their savior and that God has, has, has said to us that we have an opportunity and responsibility to reach out to our one and to help that person come to know Jesus as savior. And I'm sure that's the reason she called. He paused for a few moments and he turned and he said, okay, thank you, and walked away. And I don't know the end result of that. But what I do know is that God gave Tony one last job. And she said yes. Who's your one? that God is leading you to invite, to touch with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How long has it been since you cried for someone who needed Jesus? There's a third principle that he gives us in the passage that we love people to Christ by sowing the seed of the good news of salvation. Remember the parable that Jesus gave to us about the sower and the seed? And here's a man, he's got this bag of seed and he's, he's sowing the seed everywhere he goes on that field. The field's been prepared. And, and he's sowing the seed the, the way they would do it. They would just toss the seed. And some of the seed fell on hard ground and the birds of the air came and picked it up and, and took it away. And, and then some f fell on rocky soil and some on thorny soil and they didn't bear it all. But then some, most, fell on good soil and there was a bumper crop that came up. You and I cannot determine where a person's heart is. Is there a hard heart? Uh, is, is their, is their heart hardened against God? Is it stony? Is it thorny? That's not our job. It isn't our responsibility. But what our responsibility is, is to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to trust that God will use it on good soil and some will come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Share the seed, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Fourth, be patient. We, we love people to Christ by being patient with them. We can't cram God down somebody's throat. We need to love them and gently lead them to come to know Jesus as Savior, trusting that the Holy Spirit is at work in their heart. Psalm 126, 5 and 6 says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. It is the continually. Well, I invited somebody to church. They didn't come. I'm never going to invite them again. I don't want to be turned down again. No, it may be that it's the third time or the fifth time, but one of these times they'll come and maybe through that moment, God will use it to bring them into a relationship with him. Don't push. It may take time. Be patient. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. If someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it, but do it in a gentle and respectful way. 2 Timothy 2.25, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Be patient. Be gentle. Be loving. 
Trusting in what the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you don't lose heart. You can't save anybody, but God can. And God just asks, would you, would you be available? Would you be open? Who's your one that you could invite to the Lord? Here is the fifth thing. That we lead people, we love people to Christ by praying for the work of the Holy Spirit. Long before you ever talk to that person, invite that person, long before you ever bring up Jesus to that person, the Holy Spirit is already at work in their heart. And after you leave, the Holy Spirit is at work in their heart. It's not you, it's him. So while we are sowing the seed, And after we sow the seed, we need to be praying and asking the Holy Spirit to do his work in their heart. So what is that? What does that mean? Jesus explained it to us. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verses 8 to 11. And when he, meaning the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of its sin Number two, and of God's righteousness. And number three, and of the coming judgment. Two things I want you to notice in the verse. First of all, the word convict actually means convince. The Holy Spirit is at work convincing others in their heart. The word world actually means everyone that does not know Christ. Everyone you know that are members of your family or friends or neighbors or our classmates or work associates, wherever it is that you cross their path, God is at work in their heart. And what is he doing? What's the work of the Holy Spirit? Really three things. He says, and then Jesus goes on and he explains the three things. Verse nine, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Jesus says the sin that keeps us out of heaven is the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. Rejecting Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's the sin that keeps heaven's door closed for us. Giving our heart to him, accepting Christ in our heart is how a person comes to know Jesus as Savior. So the Holy Spirit is convincing them of their sin of rejecting him to open your heart to the Lord. Second of all, verse 10, righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you'll see me no more. What does he mean? Well, if you get it into the context of everything he was saying before the passage, this is what Jesus was saying to them. I've got to go. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to rise again from the grave. I'm going to be ascended to heaven. And I've got to go because only me going will the Holy Spirit of God come. The Holy Spirit of God will come to this place. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your savior immediately, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. It is the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you that begins to change you from the inside out. The same thing is happening in me. It's the work of God's spirit that is transforming our life, changing us into the image of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God. The Holy Spirit is at work in the heart of a person who's lost. And saying to this person, you need Jesus. Open your heart. Stop rejecting him. Open your heart to Christ. Let him become your savior and your Lord. Let him change your life from the inside out. He will make your life worth living 
if you'll open your heart to him. And third, verse 11, judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. What is, the ruler of this world is Satan. Hell was made for Satan by Jesus, Jesus said, by, for Satan and his demonic host, not for people. But judgment is coming. The Holy Spirit is saying, would you open your heart to God? Would you allow Jesus Christ to come to live inside of your heart? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life? But if the answer is no, judgment is coming. So when you pray for someone who does not know Christ, how do you pray? Well, I've given you this paragraph there in your notes. Pray this way. First of all, God, would you show my friend that their greatest sin is rejecting Jesus as their savior? But their life could be forever changed by giving their heart to Christ. They can't do it on their own, but God in them is powerful. God will put his righteousness into their lives. But Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit warns them of the coming judgment if they refuse. This is how I pray. Oh God, show them they need you. Show them that they need to receive Jesus as their savior. Show them the life that they could have with you in charge of their life, but also show them the judgment that will come if they say no. There's one last thing. We love people to Christ by inviting, being willing to invite them by being willing to invite them. This next Sunday on September the 12th is just a perfect Sunday to do it. We're calling it FamFest and it's just gonna be the greatest time, really built for families and little kids and there's gonna be all of these uh, 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 inflatables and games and be, there's gonna be a lot of fun with the family and food and all that kind of stuff. But in the midst of all of this, I will be preaching a message that is just the simple presentation of the gospel. Simply and easily, how do you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I wanna encourage you, if you're gonna ever invite anybody to church, invite him this Sunday. But not just this Sunday, no matter what Sunday it is, invite others to come and to be willing to, to, be, uh, to, to, to have them come and sit with you and be a part of this service. I'm gonna ask you this Sunday, as you're inviting someone to come to church, say to them, I'll sit with you. Won't you come on this service? I'll be there, I'll wait for you at the front door. We'll sit together by inviting people to come. That's how we love others to Christ. Now look, there are... Uh, three circles, a three-circle track that I want to share with you for just a moment about how to share your faith. When you came in to one of our campuses today, you probably, as you walked in the worship service, received one of, of these gospel tracks. It's called Three Circles, and the reason is because it has three circles inside. Over the course of the last few years, we have trained over 1,600 of our adults about how to share the information that's in this track just from memory. But you don't have to do it from memory. You can use this track. I don't know how many people I've witnessed to over the years by just using a gospel track. And I want to encourage you to take this. And if, you'd like, if you didn't get one today, you can go to the information center on any of the campuses and get one. Get as many as you want. It's built upon three circles. The first circle is simply God's design. God designed 
his creation, for us to know him and have relationship with him. The whole story of Adam and Eve and for us to have a closeness to God. But something destroyed that, it's called sin. And sin brought the second circle. The second circle is brokenness. Nobody has to convince us that we live in a broken world. Every time you watch the news, it's all about brokenness. It's all about the brokenness of the world. But it's not just the world is broken. Every one of us are too. All of us have sinned. All of us have done things that are wrong. And it has brought brokenness into our life too. One of the things that happens in brokenness is that brokenness leads us to a place of realizing a need for something greater. And that need is for the gospel. It's for the truth about Jesus. Why he came and what he did, dying on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin, rising again from the grave. The third circle is the gospel. As you're taking someone through this little track, it's so easy, you're just reading it with them and you come to this third section of the gospel and it just lays out what the Bible teaches, how a person comes to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. You can just read through this track with them. And then when you get to the end, just ask them, would, would you like to give your heart to Jesus too? And then give them, pray with them to, to, to receive Christ in their heart. Just give them the gospel tract. Just hand it to them as their gift. Carry one of those in the glove box of your car or your purse or uh, uh, on your person. Use this gospel tract. And those of you who are watching online, there is a link that is available for you. You probably see it right now in which you can click that link and you can go right to that gospel track and you can print it out as many times as you want. Use this as an opportunity to not just invite someone to church, though that's maybe what you're doing at first, but then also invite them to Christ. Now the Bible gives us a promise. God makes us a promise it would be faithful to share Christ. So listen to what it says in the passage. Psalm 126, verse five and six. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Doesn't mean every time we share Christ with someone else that they're going to accept Christ as their savior. The Bible never says that everyone's going to do that. But God does promise that the end result of being faithful in sharing Christ is that some will come. Some will come to him and there will be joy beyond description for you. You open the opportunity for someone to know Jesus as savior and they accepted Jesus into their heart and life. Who's your one? Who is that person in your life that God is saying, would you be willing to invite them to church with you next week? Would you be willing to share Jesus with them? I'm gonna tell you the Bible tells us this in Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and don't return there but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that which goes forth from my mouth and it shall not return to me void, 
but it will accomplish what I please and it will prosper the thing for which I've sent it out. When you share Jesus' word with other people, God will use it. You don't always see how he is, how he did use it, but God will use it if you'll be willing to let God use your life. Who's your one? Who's your one? Are you willing? Let's pray together. Father, we pray today. We ask, Lord, that you would work in hearts that are listening to me online and in person on one of our campuses that don't know Jesus and that this would be the day that they would say yes to you and they would accept Jesus Christ into their heart. Father, I pray that you would move in hearts today to finally come to the place to say, God, the answer is yes. You can use me. I will open my mouth. I'll invite others to church and to you. Oh, God, move in hearts, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hearts in this church to reach out, to go forth, to be used by you, to see others come to know Jesus as Savior. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.